You are Locked On Cowboys, your daily podcast on the Dallas Cowboys, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Locked On Cowboys podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Thank you for tuning in. I am your host, Marcus Mosier. You can find me on Twitter at Marcus underscore Mosier. And joining me today is Landon McCool. You can follow him on Twitter at McCoolBCB. You can also check him out on the Best Coast Boys podcast. Landon, what is going on, sir? Not much. Uh, we are well uh, on our way into the, the desert of football, the, the June desert of football. Uh, so I'm, I'm trying to prepare myself by... Uh, gathering my list of tv shows to catch up on and things to do that i'm supposed to do when i'm not constantly watching football so uh, i'm, I'm yeah, gathering I mean, that but while also keeping an eye on uh, what's happening at otas and mini camps because hey, any news is exciting news at this point we get basically get what one or two more weeks of news and then we're off for like a month we're, we're basically not going to hear anything uh, about the cowboys so mm. Um, try to enjoy these little bits and pieces of news that we get for the next couple of weeks because then we're going to be gone for a little bit. Not us, no. but the Cowboys. We'll, the have, Cowboys we'll have lots of fun stuff between now. We got we got lots of g- games to rewatch and all that stuff. So don't don't you worry. We're not going to leave you high and dry. But as yeah. far as for the mothership, uh, they're going to be on no contact for a, right. about a month. Right. We, we'll always come up with fun things to debate. I've got a, a good segment for us tomorrow. So for you guys that are daily listeners, make sure you guys tune back in tomorrow because we are going to have a nice little debate. I haven't even told Lana this yet. I, yeah, so this, I'm is, act- this is actually breaking news to me, guys. I, I, I'm saving this for you tomorrow. I'm not even going to tell you after the show. But oh boy. Um, let's go ahead and answer some of your guys' Twitter questions today. Um, and let's go ahead and start right off with this first question from Derek. Uh, what on-field training camp battle are you most looking forward to seeing? Uh, he mentions Robert Quinn versus Tyron Smith, Tristan Hill versus Zach Martin, Byron Jones against Amari, Amari Cooper. Landon, you've been out to training camp. You're, are you going again this year, and which ones are you interested in seeing? Yeah, definitely going to be out there for – I don't really know how much I'm going to be out there this year. It could be a lot. It could be a little. It's, I've moved, so it's kind of changed all the angles, so I have to kind of do the math on that. But – um, yeah, definitely going to be out there and uh, some capacity. And I think for me, uh, you know, I think you, um, Amari Cooper versus uh, Byron Jones would have been a great one. But I think because of the hip situation, it's going to be we probably won't see any of Byron Jones in training camp, if maybe a little bit near the end. Um, so, uh, you know, I think it's it's going to be kind of Robert Quinn and Tyron Smith because that's going to be kind of a different, interesting match. I Me mean, two vets who have done it, and and uh, you know because of the natural uh, advantage that the uh, that the pass rushers have in the one on one drills, I think that uh, it's it's going to be a, a very good even matchup between a guy like Robert Quinn who's quite a savvy, you know, veteran pass rusher versus Tyron Smith who's very tough to beat in that drill. Um so mm-hmm. I think some stuff like that'll be fun to watch. I mean there's so much talent across the board now that it's I think it, you know, one-on-one drills, I think Zeke and uh, uh Vander Esch will be interesting in in some, you know, one-on-one drills. I, I mean I think uh, there's going to be interesting battles across the board if, for the first time, I think, in a, in a while. I think we've, we've had them in spots before in different groups that you could watch them. Uh, but now it feels like the, there's so much talent on this team that uh, you know you could look anywhere on the field and probably see a pretty good matchup going on. 
How about Jason Witten against the linebackers? Absolutely. It, I, th that's going to be an interesting one because the last time Jason Witten was here, they really didn't have anybody that could cover like Van Resch or Jalen Smith. No. Now you got some guys who can really, really run and have some great size. I'm interested to see if the wily old vet can still still get open against those two athletic linebackers. That that should be a fun one in camp. Um, go ahead. Do you have another thought? No, I just think you know it's 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 exciting because I mean, this is why you go to camp is to see you know some of these guys do these you know, incredible matchups where there's talent. I mean, you know, there's been years in the past where it hasn't been much of a matchup, and and that's you know concerning because that usually means that one side is stronger than the other. But I, I really do feel like you know with Frederick hopefully back where he's at and you know with Witten back and then you know Cooper for the first time at training camp there's going to be a, a quite a balance of power happening at this at this camp uh, as opposed to maybe last year. All right, this next question comes from Jay. What defensive lineman can be used as a fullback in a goal line situation? Uh, I think we we kind of discussed this one pre-show, and we both had the same answer. But go ahead, Landon. I will let you answer this. Oh, one. thank you. Well, it's Tristan Hill because he's done it before. You know, we've we seen mm -hmm. tape of him doing it before, and I think just the reason you think of him too is because he just from what we've seen, he has really sweet feet for a big guy. You know, he, he moves really well, and um, he's got very kind of precise. Uh, uh, footwork, it looks like. So I, I think that's the kind of thing that you, you need with the fullback. You need someone who's going to get low, who's going to get uh, bodies on them, and then move the pile. But that's about getting low and getting angles and getting flexible uh, and uh, getting into the, the right spot. And I think that's why Tristan Hill would be the, would be good there. How about Taco? Didn't work out at defensive end. He's Maybe he can find a second crew. Second career at You're just Hold trying to find him a spot or some, do something <laughs> with this guy. He'd be better at tight end. He'd be better at tight end. There you go. That's that's going to be my next tweet. Can Taco Charlton make the conversion to tight end? Ask Rico. If Rico can do it, Taco yeah. can do it. Um, this next question from at Flocking Massey. Why don't people factor in rushing stats for a quarterback as much as passing stats? I like this a lot um, because one of the things that I constantly see on Twitter – for the people that are like dogging Dak, they'll say he threw 22 or 24 touchdowns this year. Uh, these are all the quarterbacks that threw less than 24 touchdowns, but that doesn't factor in what he does at the goal line. I think he had six rushing touchdowns this year. It doesn't factor in how defenses handle his rushing ability, how valuable he is on third downs, being able to escape. So, Lena, why, why don't we factor in rushing stats more with quarterbacks? Well, I think we're entering into a really – you know, kind of difficult time for quantifying quarterback play. I mean, I, you know, in my when I was young, you know, it was everyone kind of played the position in a sort of similar manner. I mean, there was some mm -hmm. guys that were kind of exceptions to that, and the Steve Youngs and, and the John Elways who would kind of run around a little bit. But even then, what they were known for, I mean, the highlight plays were them, you know, running around and doing stuff. And, and Steve Young, maybe took advantage of that market inefficiency by being good as a guy who could move around and then deliver a pass. You know, and I think it may have ended up helping his traditional passing stats. But, I, I, you know, from a general standpoint, quarterbacks were judged by how they performed inside the pocket as passers only, essentially. Right. Um, the game is so different now. There's so many different systems, and, and, and there are quarterbacks out there who are adding – you know, serious value to uh, their teams by being able to to run the ball, and I think you know it's only kind of just starting to become 
part of the game plan, I think. I mean, I think that you're going to start seeing teams more than they have been really start to just use it even as a, you know, like as a staple of their offense. As a, you know, it kind of started out as a fluky thing. You know, it would be like a random play that you'd see some zone read, and then it became, uh, you know, oh, we'll, we'll call this to mix it up a little bit, you know, and, and it, it, it will call it a couple times a, pl- a play. Uh, but I think, you know, now that you've seen guys like, uh, you know, like Lamar Jackson and, and, and mm-hmm. John, uh, Josh Allen in, in, uh, in Buffalo, um, I think you see these guys who have incredible success with their legs. Um, you know, I, I think that there's still going to be need to be a balance of guys who can throw from a, a clean pocket, and I think the guys who run, they're going to need to be tough and big enough that they can handle those hits as well, or be able to protect themselves. I, I think there's still some kinks to work out in the NFL quarterback running part of the game, but I, I think that we are clearly trending in that way and that quarterbacks are finding ways to add value to their offense by using their legs whether that's you know converting third downs because everyone's in man coverage and you just are able to pop through the line and convert or like Dak who is an incredible red zone threat I, I, mm-hmm. I you know I think that one of the things that hasn't been exploited enough and that we'll, I think will get exploited more is that Dak is really dangerous in the red zone because of his ability to run uh, and to throw on the run. He doesn't have incredible long speed like you know, like maybe Lamar Jackson or you know some of these other guys. But what he does have is really good explosion, like good burst. He he does like he got once he decide, makes the move to run, he he gets going pretty quick. You know, he's maybe he's not going to outrun a safety, but he will beat a linebacker to a corner and he can get a first down. You know, so I think it's going to be more and more difficult as time goes on for for. You know, people to kind of quantify that, but I think that we should trust our eyes. And when we watch these guys, realize that okay, yeah, he doesn't have as many passing touchdowns. He does maybe he has twenty four passing touchdowns, but he's got six rushing touchdowns, and that's not just right. a fluky thing. That's because he's running zone read from five yards out, and he's taking the ball in. He's not just quarterback sneaking in from the half inch line. Right. I was trying to look up uh, how many rushing touchdowns. Dak Prescott has from the red zone, and I believe it is. I'm just trying to do it really quickly. I mean, one, two, three, yeah, you four, count it up. I think it's just. I mean, the, but the fact is, is that you know that was one thing that I feel like was missing a lot in the offense last year. That I think tight ends will uh, tight end will help is the op, you know that kind of zone read option, pop pass option to the tight end that you know really stresses the defense in multiple ways because you got to cover the running back going one way, the tight end going up the field, and then the quarterback kind of filling in the difference. If you're including the playoffs, he has 20 red zone rushing touchdowns in three years. What? That's crazy. Are you serious? That's... 20 red zone rushing touchdowns in three years. Oh, my God. That's way more than I even thought. <laughs> that's yeah, nuts, I mean, man. Like, it, it, it just So, again, add that, you know, add those, what, six touchdowns board of passing every year, and all yeah. of a sudden we're looking at somebody who is throwing, you know, what, 28 touchdowns a year, eight interceptions, 27 touchdowns a year, and four interceptions. I mean, he's incredible. And yeah. that's that's something we do need to talk about more because when you look at, like, passer rating, for example, that's, I'll be honest, it's kind of my go-to number when I look at how well a quarterback is playing. When I see Dak Prescott has a passer rating of 97, you think, 
oh, okay, he's a he's an above average quarterback. But if you there's got to be a way that we can kind of factor in pass, you know, passer rating plus your red zone efficiency, and that's kind of what expected value does. But again, it, it, I think this is a good question. I think we're, we're still a little bit of, of a ways away from having a good, solid metric or number that shows the the rushing value tied in with the passing value. But we're getting there. Real I think quick, people are too, starting to become more aware. Of I it. will add this: that I think part of the problem here is that it's also scheme specific how much value the quarterback is adding by running. You know, yeah, I, I absolutely. think that that's something that's that even when you try to quantify it on a statistical level, that you're still probably missing the context of what does that quarterback's running ability and or the run add to the value of the offense overall, the threat of run. You know, like so right. I think that's something that should be factors in when you're just trying to do your own evaluation of how good these quarterbacks are. Prescott has five touchdowns within two yards of the end zone. I mean, so that's that's a lot of. So that's of fifteen the of those where he's he's taking the ball in from you know, sub, from like running back distance out. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, absolutely. That's not just yeah. like him leaning the ball over the you know the inline after somebody else got him you know, all the way there. Right. Like he's right. he's taking the ball into the end zone like a running back. Absolutely. Uh, again, that has a lot, a lot of value, and I, th- I think, I think we're going to see this year with Kellen Moore, we're going to see more of Prescott running in the red zone. We're going to see more misdirection because, man, they they should be one of the best red zone teams in the NFL. It was ridiculous last year that they struggled so much in that area. I, I think, think with the combination of their offensive lines, yeah. Zeke Prescott, and now Amari Cooper and Jason Witten, I think we will see an improvement. They there. missed Witten and Frederick there a lot last year. I agree. Yeah. I 100 percent agree. Uh, Our next question comes from Dustin. How big of a voice do the positional coaches have in roster building? Um, Let's go ahead and start there. I think it depends on the coach, right? I mean, sure. Rod Marinelli certainly carries a bigger stick when it comes to defensive linemen than maybe what Kellen Moore would or uh, John Kitna would at the quarterback spot. I think for them, you know, it's about finding the fit at wide receiver coach. At, at tight end coach, um, and then the fit being, okay, this is what we're looking for at, at this position. Is this something that you can coach? You know, like, right. so I think that's that's really the first thing. And, and once they get that down, it's 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 probably not hard. I mean, it's probably not difficult to want to, to hear to your uh, – to, from your position coaches on players, I, I think you know what happens is that they they this this organization probably better than most at this point now, maybe not always. Uh, it does a really good job of integrating the coaching and the scouting staff together, right? It, it, uh, you, right. Know, you can say what you want about Jason Garrett and, and uh, as a coach, but one of the things that him and Will McClay have developed together is a level of symbiosis between the coaching staff and the scouting department that really makes sure that everybody is kind of seeing the same thing, right? Like that they're all they know exactly what they're looking for at every position. Uh, in every at every different spot of the offense and defense, what their thresholds are, what that that player is trying to accomplish inside the offense. So, since because of that, I think that they take a lot of different input altogether, 
um, because I think that you know they can trust Asanje Law because they they feel like they have a a, a common uh, you know goal. They all know what they're working towards together. Law can give input. Uh, I'm using Law as an example. Law can give sure. input, uh, you know, at at the particulars of the position, saying, "Hey, you want guys who can be uh, more versatile. You want guys. We want guys who uh, can play inside, outside, can run a whole bunch of routes, who can make decisions on the go, can run option routes. This is uh, this guy is that guy. I can get this guy to do that. You know what I'm saying? So I think that they have uh, a large voice." Uh, I think, but I think it's probably more in the context of I've got questions about this player. My question is, hey, coach, can you get this and this out of this player? You've watched the tape on this guy. Do you think you can get th- this guy to do that? Like, I think that's right. the input that they get is the input that the coaches provide is the context of, okay, we think we see this player this way. How do you feel like that fits in the wide receiver room? How do you can we get this guy to do what we need him to do for us to win? Yeah, I think that's a pretty good explanation of uh, what's going on with the position coaches. Um, let's go ahead and hit another question. This one from Chandler: uh, Which defender is likely to put themselves in elite or Pro Bowl conversations after the 2019 season? Uh, I'll go ahead and give you mine. Uh, the first name that came to mind was Xavier Woods. I think last year we saw a pretty big step up in play from him uh, with hopefully an improved defensive line, you know, more uh, consistency from the cornerbacks. I think you're going to see Woods uh, have a better supporting cast around him. I mean, we saw last year when he was healthy, he was flying all over the field. I remember the Atlanta game last year. He was just amazing. Um, I I think we're going to start seeing him approach – borderline Pro Bowl caliber play this year. Uh, Landon, who do you have as the next guy who's going to take a jump for the Cowboys defense? Yeah, I mean, I kind of was thinking more in the, you know, Jalen Smith and Leighton Vander Esch becoming elite players type category, but I, mm, I think okay. in, 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 more to the tune of what you're talking about. Um, what about Chidobi? Yeah, I mean, I think Chidobi could do it. Like, I, I think, you know, he's – in the same way that what we saw with Xavier Woods where it was a lot of he's really close, he's really close, and then as the end of the year popped around, uh, he was he was doing it. He was, you know, he was seeing things happen in front of him. He was pulling the trigger. He was arriving at the same time as the ball. Uh, you know, all the things that you want – that you see a free safety do right before he breaks out uh, – you're starting to see him like it, it all makes sense to him, right? And and and, it, right. and the gears aren't turning as slowly; they're they're moving really quickly now. Um, with with Shadobi, it, it's like it felt like it was uh, maybe he was a step or two behind Xavier Woods in that category, right? Where like he, it, there were so many different times where people it felt like he was being, you know. Uh, picked on or he, he was getting a lot of targets on him and a lot of that was because Byron Jones was playing so well at, at the time on the op- opposite side um, that you know they had to the ball had to go somewhere and, and even then Shadobi was right there like that's right. the thing is that right. he, he it's not like he was getting burnt out of out of his you know 
jock and, and the, the there was just, he was left dead on the f- field he he was you know challenging passes he was at the receiver when the you know at the catch point when the receiver ball arrived you know it's it was all very close with Chidobe. so if he can take a step from that i think the next stop is knocking those balls away picking those balls off i mean he had a ton of pass deflections in college i know that he has that ability to do that it felt like his targeting in the air was just a little bit off his timing on his jumps was just a little bit off i think you know experience should help improve that and I, yeah, I think that it certainly is possible that we see a Chidobe Awuzie who, instead of just missing a, a whole bunch of passes this year, just barely gets a whole bunch of passes this year, and you know maybe doubles his pass deflections this year, or and, you know and, and adds an interception or two. Uh, I think that's not unrealistic. Yeah, a couple of things about Chidobe. First of all, we kind of forget how good of an athlete he is. I think he's like in the 98th percentile, according to Sparks. So while Byron Jones gets all the, the hype and pop about just how dominant of an athlete he is, uh, Wuzier is right there. I mean, there's not a big drop off there. The other thing is going to be health. Uh, you know, last year he dealt with, uh, I think it was a hip and hamstring injury. He's still missing some OTA time now, kind of as a precautionary thing. Um, they're going to need him to be at 100%. But if he is in this defense with Chris Richard in year two, I really think he can take the next step. All right, last question, Landon. Uh, this one from Danto. Uh, bearing any, bar, sorry, excuse me, barring any injuries, what do you think the ceiling is for this defense? Do you think it could be a top three unit? I Yeah, I mean, I think it's possible. Uh, I think that they have the talent, you know, that's required to do something like that. Um, I think if Tristan Hill uh, comes in and, and on you know limited pass rush snaps and gives them uh, some juice, Malik Collins can stay healthy. Let's say uh, Randy Gregory uh, comes back, and now you've got Robert Quinn, Randy Gregory, Tyrone Crawford, Demarcus Lawrence, uh, Armstrong, Taco. Daniel Ross, maybe, or Kerry Hyder. I mean, like, you got a lot of names here. And then you get a really tight group. Uh, we're getting a good rotation. You know what you've got at linebacker is solid. Um, and, you know, I think that there's a level of confidence in what's going on in the defensive backfield because you've got great numbers there. You've got young players who seem to all be on the ascend. The So if Byron Jones can come back healthy from his hip and, and not miss too many beats uh, and, and, and – Jordan Lewis can help fill in with Anthony Brown continuing to play well and, and Shinobi Awuzie taking the next step with uh, you know uh, Xavier Woods potentially all taking. I mean, the, the good news is about all those guys are all young and still growing. They just had they just ate a whole bunch of playing time last season. That's a right. lot to digest, and they that they could take that tape and learn so 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 much. So uh, this this is the, an off season for growth specifically for that defensive backfield. So if they can all take another step, which is possible, because even though they played very you know admirably at times. They they certainly have still room to grow because they're all extremely young players who are just learning a new system. Uh, there's no reason to think that this can't be a top three defense. I mean, they, yeah. there's there's plenty of talent here to do that, and they have sure. all the all the pieces they need. What I'm looking for is, and this is kind of important too, is what are we what are we judging defense on? Just is it total points allowed? Is it yards or is it turnovers? Because this defense was 
top six last year in points allowed. Only the Bears, Ravens, Titans, Texans, and Jaguars allowed fewer points. But the biggest thing is the Cowboys just didn't create a lot of turnovers. Um, just nine interceptions, just 14 forced fumbles. Uh, you had teams like the Bears had 27 interceptions last year, yeah. 18 forced fumbles. The Texans had 20 forced fumbles. Uh, most teams in the league were, you know, approaching that 15-16 mark in terms of interceptions. So if the Cowboys are going to create some more turnovers, I'm not necessarily – it's not going to be the worst thing in the world if they give up more points but create more turnovers. Um, I, I think that's where I'm interested to see whether they can they can improve because if they can improve on that turnover total at all, this is going to be a much more dangerous team because last year uh, they would hold you down, but they 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 just didn't create enough big plays on that side of the ball. Imagine how I mean, think about this too. Like it, that is a very solid point, but I think the part that gets hard to talk about because it's it's semi-solid is the the connection there between the lack of turnovers by this defense and the points scored by this offense, mm-hmm. right? Because think about how much extra value that defense that turns over the ball and gets the ball to your offense on the other side of the 50 adds to your offense, right. you know? And I think right. as much as uh, uh, this offense took uh, a, a lot of of beating and, and bad press and crap for what was what it did at different points during the season, which, you know, deservedly so. I mean, some of it was definitely execution and play calling. There's no way around it, right? I think that we would also be singing a very different tune if this defense had been not even up to the, the standard point standard, if they had just been average at turnovers. You know, th- this offense may have scored... I don't know, like two, three more points a game, and and that oh, may not easy. sound like yeah. a lot, but that's a ton, you know, and in the grand scheme of things. So uh, I think that that's something that you know when you talk about where this team can go, uh, improvement wise, simply simply the defense. Uh, two things, I, I think if this team can improve as, as a red zone offense, which I think you know personnel wise, hopefully they can with with what they've added, and if this defense can improve their turnover rates, those two things alone, if they get even marginal improvement there, and stay kind of relatively you know good at the same things that they were good and bad at last year, those things too alone, I think, can buy you maybe two or three wins. Like that—that's yeah, yeah, how much of a difference that can make. You know, it's—it's it's unbelievable. Um, as you were talking, I was looking up just how many touchdowns the Cowboys have scored on defense over the last few years. Since 2015, they have three total defensive touchdowns. Jeez. Chicago, Chicago had eight last year. Just last year. <laughs> Think about that. I mean, look, look. To be clear, I mean, let's. Chicago was a the best defense in the league last year, and, and it oh, wasn't yeah. even close. Like so, right. so it, is it an unrealistic you know standard to hold Dallas to? Maybe, um, but I think that at the same time, like they have no talent excuse not to do to not to be that good. Right. You know, right. like I, I think they well, have every all the talent they need to replicate that level of play if they just do it. Right, and it's not like we're saying we want them to have eight or nine touchdowns a year on defense, but if they could ever luck into a season with three, four, I mean, that's honestly the difference in how many wins, maybe two or three wins a season. We see every we see every year that games are decided by 
what I mean most games are decided within a touchdown if you get two or three extra defensive scores a, a, or a, a season that can be the difference between going nine and seven or 12 and four and you know maybe hosting a couple playoff games absolutely so just something to keep an eye on going forward all right that is it for today's show thank you guys for tuning in make sure you download and subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Landon at McCoolBCB. You can follow the show at Locked on Cowboys. And of course, I'm at Marcus underscore Mosier. And we will see you guys next time.